The Quack Attack is back, Jack! Welcome back to a tale of two rivals, plus one. I'm your host, Todd, at FF underscore Banterman Foster, and I'm joined by... FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. I'm happy to be back, guys. Is anybody else here with us? Yeah, we got at FF underscore Walrus Sean Kennedy sitting very comfortably in his chair, ready to get rocking and rolling on this. I have an excellent chair. It's got armrests. Um, it's got great lumbar support. It's very comfortable. Um, Dave, what are you sitting in tonight? Todd, I don't sit. I need to work on my vocal projection. I stand for the podcast, my friend. So you stand the entire time we're recording? Back-to-back episodes. I'm standing. It doesn't matter. The entire time. So the other night, we did two back-to-back. So for four and a half hours, you were standing the entire time. I I mean, I think it was more like three hours. But yeah, I stood the whole time in sandals. And this is you working on your projection. See, mine's just God-given, man. I can't tell you. Why don't you just sit up straight? It's the same result. (laughs) Then you're comfortable and people can hear you. That's an excellent point. (laughs) My fourth grade chorus teacher who told me I had no voice for the stage told me that you need to, it's better for your vocals to be standing and have a good posture. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing, boys. So wait, you're the takeaway of this teacher telling you that you have a terrible voice is that standing versus sitting is going to fix it. And he also said, Sean, yes, that's a takeaway. And he said not to drink milk before a performance, which devastated me as a child. I hurt the vocal cords, apparently. Dave, that's preposterous. You need those strong bones to support your crazy standing for hours well, on end. Just, yeah, well, he, he, should, he could do it beforehand, you know? And then sandals, I mean, come on, Dave. That's just not properly prepared for the, for the, for the journey that is standing for the whole podcast. You need that arch support. Are you, like, on your tippy-toes sometimes when you're, like, really trying to drive home a point? Like, just, like, staring down the mic? Like, as if you're trying to intimidate us while you're standing? No, I try not to move my feet too much because of the flip-flops. I don't want them flopping around, and I don't want my mic to pick up on it. So I'm very, I'm very solid base. <laughs> so, Dave, if this is all about vocal projection and being heard and being articulate, what do you do when you're on the phone? Oh, I, I'm a big pacer. I, I don't sit. I don't sit. I walk around the entire oh, house. Todd pacer. knows you're that. You're one of those guys. But all right. Did anybody uh, happen to notice uh, anything special about your voicemails uh, recently? I think that's a that's a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, so my boss was having some technical difficulties trying to send out some mass notifications to students. So she called me one day to figure out how I should how she would go about doing that. And my phone happened to be in the other room. Even though I knew she was calling, I'd forgotten it there. And went to voicemail, called her right back. And the first thing she asked, it wasn't a, hey, how you doing? How's the new house that I just moved into? How's my pregnant wife? How am I doing working? It was, who is Todd Foster? Why is he in your voicemail? So I had to explain to her. Why does he need to text you? Yeah. And I had to explain to her that it's a friend of mine whose calls I'm very frequently screening because of some banter on a podcast. And before I could even finish, she just immediately went, "Uh, I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) And and in her defense, well played. There was so much more that goes into it. It's a much longer story. As if the only thing more regrettable than having to listen to my voicemail was just hearing the explanation of why my voicemail is the way it is. That was the only thing worse for her. 
That's great. All right, so we got into voicemails and Dave needing to stand for proper projection. Dave, I'm going to listen for your projection very closely now, okay? So, all right, so today we decided to go in an opposite direction. We've been talking a lot about rookies and rookie drafts. So now we're looking at buy low vets. I would say, guys, for me, when I was looking through this, when I was looking at a buy low I'm looking at a guy in an ADP that's like 10 to 12 spots too low on my mark. So essentially the guy that might have like a better return by like a round or two. Let's start with uh, Kennedy. What's a, the, what's a buy low target to you? So I think anything, you know, that ADP, if that is falling like a full round, or if you're, if we're talking about Dynasty League, whatever rookie, you know, rookie pick capital you're going to be investing doesn't pale in comparison. You know, if you can get somebody who's going to be a mid second to you know so a wide receiver mid wide receiver two anywhere or above for like a third round pick a second round pick or a third round pick and a worse older player i think you're coming out like gangbusters there that's kind of how i went into this thinking you know how can i take a lower pick next year and or another aging asset and kind of trade up while not really looking like i'm doing so to pull this off all right that's fair i like that take dave what it means to me is that it's usually what I the difference between dynasty and redraft. If because a player is being discounted a lot as a veteran because of his age in dynasty, because we're ageist in dynasty a lot of the time, I want to capitalize that as a contender and try to get some immediate return and get that value. And that's how I kind of looked at it. And too, and also like you, Todd, where there's an ADP, there's a discount in the ADP because of that. Right. So for me, I just want to go on record that my number one buy low veteran is Julio Jones. And I'm not going to get into that because I've talked enough about it in, in past podcasts. I did a whole episode on it on uh, just on a Todd tangent. So I'm not really going to get into any more Julio. Like if somebody's trying to tell me that OBJ's washed up and done, then I would say that's probably <laughs> an opportunity to go out and look and see if anybody else feels the same. It seems worth unpacking there, Todd, that one of those receivers is good and the other one isn't. <laughs> So for me, it's ADP and narrative, but we'll get a little bit more into that as we go into it. So before we get up into the guys, I want to ask the guys a couple of key questions. I just want to add to, as just as when we're talking about veterans, what that means. And because the ideal time to acquire veterans, honestly, is before or during the rookie draft. That's when their price is at their low. Rookie fever and second-year wide receivers are at their all-time, like they're at a very high value and people are devaluing. Uh, veterans because they're you know they're thinking about rookies how long they're going to be league for and the, the clock's ticking and the candle's burning low for these veterans so that's the time to do it however right now we're a little bit past rookie draft season but there's still a little bit of hangover from rookie drafts and it's still a good time to buy veterans but as you get closer to a redraft season you're going to see those uh and dynasty players switch to redraft mode you're going to see those veteran values start to creep back up so this the reason why we're doing this podcast now is because this is a time to strike while the iron's hot with veterans. Yeah, I actually think that uh, this is something that we talked about. Um, it's actually like pre-Sean, like February, you know. But that's where I was saying that's the time to be looking at Julio. You know, I think that Julio's window is closing a little bit right now, where if you were looking at him in, you know, February, March, it was probably a lot cheaper than it is right now, you know, because the fever has died a little bit. Um but yeah, so for me, like, I just had a couple of key questions. So let's just talk about for buying veterans. Is there any market for aging veterans for a rebuilding team? Does it make any sense for a rebuilding team to target aging veterans? 
Dave, what are you thinking? I think so, yes, because in a rebuild, I like to do a quick rebuild. Uh, there's a way, if you really want to capitalize on, because one of the biggest inefficiencies in Dynasty is age. And if you can change, you know, sell a really young asset, get a bunch of picks back and make your team competitive, I'm all about that quick uh, Dynasty rebuild where you, you capitalize on those veterans. But that's just me. Oh, I, I like that take. I, I, it's not what I would do, but I respect that take. Uh, Sean, what about you? Any reason for a rebuild to buy aging veterans? Somewhat. Um, you know, I think there's two schools of thought that we're breaking into. The one is the guys like the Julios, you know, that as they get up there, um, it doesn't really seem to matter as much. You know, you're still having the conversation that year after year, they're still going to be finishing within the top 10 of their position. Those guys will have value, and they're probably going to be ones that fall off a cliff very quickly. So you can ride them for a while. But I think there's also something to be said for these kind of lower-end guys that maybe you're not targeting per se, but you can work into a deal to then turn around and flip. You know, if you can get somebody to throw you in, let's just say Marvin Jones right now, on a deal, and that's just what's going to push the ball over the goal line, and then you can turn around and flip him for another card to hold in your rebuild hand. That's looking pretty good. So for me, like, I actually agree with you guys. I think from more of, like, a, like a secondary player, like, if you have, like, an aging stud, right, and you're not seeing yourself being competitive or even really making playoffs with just making, like, you know, a move or two, then I would be saying you should be selling those guys because aging veterans, their, their, their value is not going up. It's just either going to stay the same or go down, you know? I want to throw it back at you guys a different way because I've been thinking about this all day. If, right, because we're all in agreement that Dynasty is just this hot potato game of diminishing returns and who is going to be left stucking, stuck. 100%. Is there a point when you get to a guy like Adam Thielen where you're better off just being a ride or die? Like, you know what? I'll just, I'll, I'll go Thelma and Louise and just ride him right over the cliff and all the way down into the fiery abyss. Because if you can win, that's it. Yeah, if you can win. Or if you're, you know, a middle-of-the-road team. Like, if you're somebody who's got a sniff, at least, is it worth that? Or do you just take whatever return you can get, no matter what? I mean, if you're taking pride in just making playoffs, first of all, I think you're missing the point of playing. But, you know, if you're just trying to make playoffs and you think, like, he's going to be the reason you make playoffs, then you're pretty much convincing yourself that that's a guy you should be trading, in take, my mind. Take it easy a little bit, Todd, because Dave's in here, and we've heard him make that argument before. I'm very aware. Uh, I'm just <laughs> trying to say that, like, you know, it, it, you know, you play to win the game. That's the whole point, you know? And maybe have some fun along the way, but you play to win the game. So to me, like, if you're just trying to make playoffs, like, what, what, what good is Adam Thielen doing for you? He's a guy that, like, you should be moving, and then next year, by moving Adam Thielen, making, getting a pick or a younger guy, adding those two pieces, now you're looking at making it to the second round and being like a top four team, you know, putting yourself in a different conversation. But by you just holding on to this guy and ride or dying, when you have no chance in winning, makes zero sense to me. Dave, any thoughts on that? I have a couple thoughts here, gentlemen. First, Sean, it's interesting that Todd, uh, you know, created an entire segment on the podcast because he's in a trade negotiation with J-Pow in our league. Don't you think that's interesting? I think it's... <laughs> Beyond interesting, I think it is totally shameless, but hats off to Todd because that takes an incredible amount of confidence to use this entire podcast as a platform to direct a conversation to somebody who probably isn't listening, or even if he is listening, isn't in a proper state of mind to digest all of the conversation. 
one, those trade talks are dead. And two, this is a rebuttal because I have a podcast. Moving on. You didn't address either of my points. (laughs) Sean, Sean, one second here. And Todd, what also I find interesting in this conversation is that Sean did not make a forgetting Sarah Marshall reference with a movie. He did a different movie tonight. So that's also interesting. That that is really true. Congratulations. And it wasn't the same and it wasn't Sopranos line. It's all about growth, gentlemen. Dave, did you have a take or is that it? No, so my I I mean, I actually think uh, to pivot a little bit off both what you guys are saying, when Todd was talking about Julio Jones, something that just came to my mind when we were saying that is I don't really do this because I'm more of a go-get-your-guy kind of guy when, when it comes to Dynasty because I'm not in a ton of leagues and I want to have my guys and I want to enjoy having them on my team. But there are guys who play Dynasty strictly based on value. And if you're rebuilding, a great way to rebuild is value. So why not, if you have Julio Jones, trade down to A.J. Green. And they're really kind of similar similar, similar players. And then take that and take that difference in value and turn that into a draft pick or something. And that's how to build value. So you also, so you still get some production, but you also get some yeah. rookie capital. Same thing. You know, you could do the same thing with Adam Thiestier. So I just, I what think about Emmanuel int- Sanders and maybe I mean, getting Dallas Goddard too. I'm just saying <laughs> that I'm not feeding into your trade negotiations again, Todd, <laughs> but <laughs> But I think Emmanuel Sanders is a good guy. Why not trade down Emmanuel Sanders and take that and keep the production, pick up value and other ways to build your roster. There's interesting ways to build through value and take advantage of how dynasty players view age. But actually, I really love this conversation. I could talk about it all night, but I think we have something to get to tonight. Yeah, absolutely. It it was just a good thing to talk about. So obviously you're talking about buy low veterans and you're like, yep, there's some markets if you rebuild, but let's be honest. If you're a contender, if you're a back-to-back champ, or a one-time champ, or somebody who's just desperately trying to win a championship and you just can't seem to, to grasp it. Dave, um, you know, this is a good episode for you to listen to, all right? So first by lows we're going to look at, we're going to each talk about two different running backs, okay? So I'm actually going to start with Sean's running back because we had the same running back, but I'm going to let Sean take it away. So Sean, who was your running back? Yeah, the first one that popped right into my head was David Johnson. And, I mean, everyone's had David Johnson a little bit on the brain ever since. Cardinals fleeced the Texans to get Hopkins. But, I mean, looking at Johnson, you can probably get him for relatively cheap, right? He was okay two years ago. He didn't really do anything. Last year, he was injured. He got replaced. Kenyon Drake is the hot name on the street right now. And, obviously, he's hot enough that they got rid of him. But he's coming in. David Johnson is coming into a pretty good situation in Houston he has RB1 potential written all over my thing like back end RB1 potential two years ago when he was the RB10 he did that while Arizona was horrendous I think now that he's on a better team they have an offensive line that was pretty good last year it made a lot of good strides from two years ago but they also upgraded it through free agency they upgraded it through the draft they have Deshaun Watson And more importantly, Hopkins left so much opportunity in his wake leaving town. They brought in virtually nobody to replace him. There's just all all day for David Johnson to squeeze in there and really carve out a ton of fantasy relevance. You know, last year they devoted 15% of their team targets to running back, which came up to about 80 targets. And two years ago when he was the RB10, he had 76 targets. I think there's a ton of room for them to just look at him 
and say, all right, 2016 David Johnson, 2018 David Johnson, let's go. He's going to do an every even year kind of thing. He's going to be like the San Francisco Giants. And I think worth noting in that too is that they don't need to keep him beyond this year. His contract is a total albatross, but they can ditch him after this season for only a two mil dead cap hit. And Bill O'Brien has to be on the hot seat. It's insane that he still has a job now. If this doesn't go well this year, he's out. So he is going to try and make David Johnson every bit of the David Johnson that we all want David Johnson to be to prove that this trade wasn't as bad as it looked going in. I actually was Sean with the fact that I think David Johnson could just eat in this offense. And even when Arizona was horrendous, he was still an RB1. You know, And the thing that you keep pointing out with his targets being open, and Dave always brings this up about David Johnson, is he looked better as a receiver last year for the Cardinals than he did as a running back at times. Stole my line. You stole my line. <laughs> but hold on. I didn't steal it. I credited you. So how could that be stolen? Come on, David. I gave you credit. I could have just, just citation 101. Yeah, man. I could have just said it was my thought, but I gave it to you. Jeez, the librarian dude. would be proud. Last time I'm going to do that for you. So um, long story short is that like <laughs> it's a team that like also the other thing for me is that with all that opportunity and all those targets open – Let's also remember that he has a phenomenal QB there with with Deshaun Watson, which I think the whole Kyler Murray thing's a little bit taken off a little too much in that narrative. I do think that he's going to be a great QB. He's still super young. Deshaun Watson's still a top three QB, you know, and that's not going to hurt David Johnson's, um, you know, situation whatsoever. So I love David Johnson as a buy low candidate. He was the guy who was going to put down, check the show sheet that I made, didn't fill out first, and Sean put him down. I was like, well, I guess I'll have to keep Sean keeping, but I'm all on board with that. Dave, you have anything about David Johnson? How the mighty have fallen. Oh, poor one out for David Johnson. He was being discussed as the Dynasty 101 back in 2017. That was an argument that he should be the first player taken in startup drafts, uh, and now he has an ADP of 87.5 on DLF. 27th RB off their board, according to their May ADP. And, oh, it's a sad to see David Johnson. I was pretty high on him going into last year. I thought he had a chance to come back from the injuries. But then we're looking back, too. He had a decent start to the season, and he and like Todd said, and he credited me for it, which I appreciate now that, I, that I've been corrected for my mistake of wrongly attacking Todd for that. But like he said, uh, you know, David Johnson was still an elite wide receiver out of the, or running back out of the backfield last year, as far as catching the ball. And, and just, they mysteriously, they said it was injury at times, but then they didn't say it was injury. It was a weird situation. That whole narrative last year in Arizona caused a lot of people, a lot of uh, consternation in DFS. So he's my RB 25. And so I have him a little bit ahead of where the rest of the, the community has him. And I like him as a buy low veteran. I like the idea if you're competing now, go get him. I am not giving up a 21 or 2021 first for him. Um, and I'm not giving up any of the really elite prospects in this year, but I'll take the, you know, like uh, I'll trade him for, I'll give away Henry Ruggs or uh, T Higgins for him. If I'm trying, if I need running back help, I'll do that. And I'll be happy with it. I like that. When you were talking about trading down feeling to get to like an AJ green level, I feel like David Johnson's the AJ green in that argument, you know? That if you're looking to move, actually, I, ironically, like I would say, like Le'Veon Bell, who will come up later on, and moving down to David Johnson is a good move. 
you know, while trying to like upgrade in some other place that you might feel better about, you know? So I think David Johnson is definitely a great target. So I use the DLF trade finder, which it's a pretty great app over at DLF and it takes real live trade, real life trades from myfantasyleague.com, And you can put the league settings in you want, and it gives you real life, like up to the minute trades involving a player. So I have a couple of questions for you guys. Would you in a, so this is all super flex. I love that function uh, by format. The way. I use it. Yeah. yeah. So super flex, uh, full PPR. Would you guys rather have David Johnson or James White in a 2021 20, second? David Johnson. David Johnson. Same here. Same here. So I just think that I think this is an instance of where we're highlighting the buy low beauty of David Johnson here. Okay, another one. David Johnson or Mitchell Trubisky? David Johnson. <laughs> David Johnson. Dude, I have him in my Superflex League. I can't trade him for anything. Trubisky's just done. He has no value. Whoever made that trade, congratulations. Yeah, exactly. I think we all are in agreement there. So last one, David Johnson or James Conner? David Johnson. David Johnson. I'm actually James Conner in this one. That's the easiest one to be wrong you about, fool. too. I think it's easy to be wrong. I mean, there's there's a narrative where Conner becomes a bell cow, and I like his situation a lot there. But at the same time, uh, I'm, just, I'm just higher on David Johnson just – from a versatility standpoint, I think there's more ways that David Johnson gives you value in different kinds of situations than James Conner could. Also, James Conner has a lot more competition than David Johnson does on this team. A lot more. So that I I can definitely see somebody's going the Conner side, but I just for me it's I, I ten out of ten times of taking David Johnson there. So um so for the next guy on the list, um I'm gonna do mine next because mine's really quick. Um so my first guy was, so Kennedy actually took both my backs. So well done, sir. Great minds think alike, and that's why I win championships, you know. But I decided to highlight some other guys instead of just, you know, piggybacking on Sean. So um, for me, I honestly think that Devontae Freeman is a phenomenal target right now. Um, there's never going to be a time that he's ever lower. and it's, But I will admit that essentially training for him is essentially training for a roll of the dice. The price will change considerably after he signs with somebody, and that fever will catch. And you could essentially just get him as a throw-in in a trade right now at this point and be ahead of that situation for where he ends up in an ideal situation. And then if he ends up in a situation that's not ideal, I don't really think you're giving up a lot to get Devontae Freeman. That's the whole point, is that if you don't have to give a lot – and you're just looking for some RB depth, Devontae Freeman is a good guy to kind of just stash and see what happens in the next few months. And then if you wait for a few months to make that trade, that price is just going to go up once he has an established situation. So, Sean, you actually own Freeman in our league. How do you feel about that that take? Uh, I like it a lot. I feel very similar about it, so I feel fortunate to already have him because I think we've already seen him turn down one year, I think it was like $2 million maybe to Seattle, you know, where Carlos Hyde eventually ended up, to just yep. be more of that depth complement piece. That isn't what he wants. He's very clear about, I'm at least going to have, you know, a Frank Gore-esque kind of role wherever I end up, where Frank Gore will exist for the remainder of time in the NFL in that similar kind of role. He, Freeman, though, you know, if he goes to Philly, if he ends up with, 
anybody else like um, even Arizona maybe, but that seems pretty crowded, who's looking to bring in somebody who might be able to kind of take over a little bit, vulture some of that work. They're going to do it in kind of a cute way. They're going to have a very specific thing in mind, and they're going to be looking for him to absorb a lot of those carries if something happens to the Miles Sanders or whoever the incumbent is. They're going to be looking to get a lot more value than they're paying for him. And I think wherever he ends up is going to be favorable. He's not going to take short money to go to a crap team. That's not really in his best interest at all. So I think wherever he lands, you're going to see a lot of interest. You're going to see a lot of these hot takes and really kind of specific sneaky ways that he can still be very fantasy relevant as maybe a good flex option in the same way that people are kind of talking about Phil Lindsay still retaining a lot of relevance. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can get that for peanuts right now, that's awesome. But go do it tomorrow because if you wait till he signs, forget about it because the second he's on a team, everybody is going to think they're the smartest person in the room by getting there first. But if you wait till he's on a team, you're there third. Get there first, get him now. Exactly, and that's that, that's the whole point. Is if you're gonna wait, the price is just gonna change. You know, you know, it's a blue light special, baby. Dave, what about you? Any thoughts on Freeman? So when Todd mentioned when he brought up Devontae Freeman, he didn't think that the price can ever be lower on Freeman. Well, I guarantee you the price can get lower if he holds out for all 2020, like he mentioned last week. So, I mean, I'm being a little flippant when I say that, but I when he man when he turned down the Seattle thing and they just like oh whatever we'll take Carlos Hyde no sweat off our back. I thought that was intriguing, so I just where his head was, I found that interesting. Um, but I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. I think you guys put it perfectly. When he signs just about anywhere, his price will go up instantly, and that's a good time to cash out, or you can just ride that value if you're a contender. So that's some that's a, some really great advice from you guys, so I, I'll piggyback off that. And But... That's as far as I'll go is I'm just not a Devonta Freeman. I am out on Devonta Freeman. He is not a buy low for me. You guys, mm-hmm. and I, but I will give you one more point before I get going that you guys said he is very good in a throw in situation. I think that's how I looked at the DLF trade finder and that's how the trades are being done. So people are trading away uh, Devonta Freeman and Darius Slayton for a carry on Johnson, which actually kind of blew my mind because you could, you, you'd have to, I basically give you money to take carry on Johnson at this point. So that was <laughs> interesting crazy. to get that in, wow. in that return. That that's a great return for carry on Johnson. Oh, exactly. And and so that's where I kind of like the idea of just trying to get a little bit of value, and that's where Devonta Freeman come in. However, as far as Devonta Freeman the player, he was just not very good from an efficiency standpoint last year. He I actually was shocked. He was the RB twenty last year. That actually kind of blew me up. I was like, oh wow, I, I guess I totally forgot about David Johnson. He was that I mean, Devontae Freeman, uh, I guess he had a totally unforgettable season last year at RB20, but I think it was purely based on volume. He was, uh, you know, looking at his efficiency, 44th in evaded tackles per attempt or juke rate, uh, and he didn't have very many big runs, which is some really good predictive measurements for a running back. So, and he's a smaller back, and he's had a lot of injuries. So I think those have sapped a lot of his athleticism that made him great early on in his career. So I'm just out on him. I'm not gonna. He's not a target of mine. I'd rather yeah, target but, a couple other players. So, Dave, even if you're not gonna rely on him to be a target guy for you to really even complement your roster, is he worth a look now, a price check now, to see if you can get him for peanuts, just a flip, just so when he lands in Philly or wherever, that hey, I can cash out immediately. 
Sean's really stumping to trade Devonta Freeman in his league now again. So this is interesting. Both of you guys have done this today. So no, but in all seriously, Sean. Well, I wouldn't say it's stumping as much. I'm just I'm trying to broach the broader point. Oh, I've already tried trading for Devonta Freeman with Sean. He he's 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 asking too much. <laughs> well, I was, you know, I wanted something reasonable like OBJ. You know, they're similar players. <laughs> Uh, you're a terrible person. <laughs> I understand what you guys are saying. I just, I don't think that, I think he's purely based on volume and I don't think there's any places where he can get volume anywhere left. Where else can he get volume this year? Sean mentioned Arizona. I don't think so. He said Philly. Okay. Maybe Philly. That's the one place I could think of where he could have value anywhere else. I can't really see it. I think he just, then he just hurts everyone else. He brings everyone else down, but doesn't raise his own value. I think anybody bringing him in, he's he's going to be getting some sort of volume, you know. And with everything in the in the committee style that it's in, like he's going to get enough touches that when I'm talking about moving Devonte Freeman for, I'm looking at like a dart throw running back, younger, older, whatever, and a third to get Devonte Freeman. That's a totally like legit deal if you're just trying to get Devonte Freeman, or otherwise like you're in a deal negotiations and then you say, hey, throw in Devonte Freeman. I'm going to say yes now. You know what I mean? Like, those are the kind of moves that you're making. And when you're trying to get that kicker, that's just the guy you're putting in your back pocket that you're not trying to look beyond this and just saying, hey, here's this dart throw that if he ends up in the right situation, this could be a guy that if I had an injury or if I have a bye week, that he's going to be able to fill in and do something special. And then there's just a sliver of hope that he could possibly be a starter or a flex option for you. But at the very least, you're buying a, a solid chance of him having some sort of value for not giving up much. That's what I think it is. And he's already proven that he can be that, where some other guys were like predicting the narratives before we've even seen them do anything, you know? So, Dave, let me throw a hypothetical your way. Would you rather have, would you rather have to buy Freeman or one of the Washington running backs not named guys? Ooh. I would rather... I'd rather buy Antonio Gibson. I'd rather buy uh, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I'd, t- I'd take all of them over Devonta Freeman. Wow. I I can give you Gibson. That's about it on that one. So I think that's the longest any podcast has talked about Devonta Freeman that you're going to find. Yeah, so Devonta Freeman for, doesn't talk about Devonta Freeman. Yeah, much. if you're looking for Devonta Freeman takes, you heard it here first. So, um, so now, speaking of running backs nobody's talking about, Dave went straight up to the Dollar Tree for this pick, and I loved it. You know, I'm not even dissing the fact he went to the Dollar Tree. I love this pick. Dave, who's your first buy low? So mine was Dion Lewis. Um, Doesn't even have an ADP on DLF right now. Uh, And it's purely based on the fact that he's the RB2 behind Saquon Barkley. They have an improved offensive line in New York. Uh, Daniel Jones is entering his second year. We saw Saquon, um, with you know, have that pretty serious high ankle sprain last year and miss some games. So I think the, the idea of Deion Lewis is attracted to me, and the fact that's what's more attractive to me is his price. I love it in deeper dynasty leagues, especially when you have deeper rosters. The idea of Deion Lewis is a very appealing. Um, I'd happily give up a mid fourth round pick this year. Um, I don't think I'm giving up too. Maybe I'll give up a few. I'll give up a future fourth, a 2021 fourth to get him. Uh, but it's based on that, and his so and his efficiency wasn't that great in Tennessee last year. But he did have a decent juke rate, which is evaded tackles per attempt. So I, I'm I'm happy with that. And he's a he also has receiving upside. I like me some Deion Lewis for this price. Yeah, I I love it, man. So like I have um in my Debbie league, I have him, and 
I was even considering cutting him. And then when he ended up with the Giants, I was like, oh, value. It happened. This is so great. So I was very, very, very excited. Now, granted, like, I'm not looking to rely on him as a flex or anything, but for the prices and where he ended up in that landing spot and the, like, the fact that they, they have improved, you know? Like, I like that pick a lot, Dave. You could do it for fab money. That's how cheap he is right now. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, probably. I mean, if somebody sends me just a fab money trade, I, I pretty much say no. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's possible. You could find a market for that. What about you, Sean? Deal this is Lewis. crazy. Are you guys even listening to yourself? You're dropping the price that you would accept for him as you're hyping him up. He's not worth even rostering at this point. Save your space. Oh, I don't agree about that at all. Take a shot somewhere else and spend all the fab money you need to to get him if Saquon goes down again. I think you're looking at a guy who has receiving upside only as a running back in a system where they have a dominant back. And yeah, like you bring up the high ankle sprain from last year, and that was terrible to see. But he also defied every single expectation that anybody sat down and came back from it weeks early. Fortnights early. Saquon's not going anywhere. They are going to look to lean on him heavy. Daniel Jones showed a lot of pop last year. They're going to start trying to have him move the ball downfield more. But they're not going to be rotating other backs in. This is the same Tony Pollard conversation everybody was having a couple years ago of, watch out, he might just vulture a little bit from Zeke. Never happened. He had that little bit of pop when Zeke was doing the holdout, and then nobody ever saw him again. He's probably on a milk carton. It's going to be the same thing with Deion Lewis there. Sean, I mean, hold on. Sean, hold on to your pants here. I have Deion Lewis ahead of Devonta Freeman in my ranks. There we That's go. fine. That's fine. But this is nuts that he that you're going to actually pay to get him. I would. I mean, I wouldn't pay much. So, like, to me, I'm like, I personally think you're putting him in a situation where if there were an injury, he would kind of just fall into that situation. But he also has, like, value as a receiving back in that situation. Like, at some point, like, the, the, the Giants just have to think about not running, like, Barkley into the ground, too. And Deion Lewis is a solid, like, PPR option as, like, a receiving back. I'm not saying he's going to be, like, your starting running back, but he's a solid depth option compared to, like, going out and, like, pretending, like, James Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be, like, an undrafted free agent and be worth something. You know? I'd rather have Deion Lewis if I'm contending at that point. I'd you know? rather have Devonta Freeman, but... I would, too. Dave but, thinks that's crazy. But... but but I'm also trying to say it's, like, the similar player in the similar situation. You know what I mean? Except, like, one's actually on a team, you know? So, like, to me, it's, like, I don't really see a huge difference there. I like Freeman more from, like, as a runner than just a receiver. So, I think that's why I like Freeman a little bit more. But I, I still, like, like if I had Deion Lewis as, like, my seventh running back on, like, a 30-man roster, I'd be pretty happy with that, you know? Because you do need depth. For, like, when you have, especially if you start more than two running backs, or if you have injuries and buys. Like, it's totally worth it. And then, if you were productive and you have running backs, now you have guys that are expendable that you can trade and get different pieces for. So, I mean, I like the idea of putting Deion Lewis at the end of your roster. So, Dave, I'm with you, man. I'm not going to listen to I'm Kennedy. trying to be a little contrarian, Todd. A little contrarian, try to give someone a little different perspective. That's what I was going for here. Well, Sean, Sean wasn't having it. Sean was not having that. All right, so I'm the contrarian here is what we learned. So get usurped, Dave. What up? No, you're just the mainstream. You're just mainstream. (laughs) 
Okay. So, all right, boys. So, uh, stop you're the, you're out the a Joe bit. Exotic to my Carol Daskin. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Gosh. That's fantastic. Yeah, the gloves are off. Um, so, all right. So, RB2. So, our so our second bio running backs. We're going to go back to Kennedy. So, the other guy I was going to pick, Kennedy also picked. So, applaud to you, sir. Yeah. And who was it, buddy? I think everybody would choose this one, too. I think he is not uh, a sneaky bio candidate by totally any means. Totally true. Very obvious. It's Lev Bell. Yes, he is on the Jets. Yes, the Jets are still led by Adam Gase. And yes, that is still a travesty. But the fact remains that despite how much he just seemed to collapse under the weight of the expectations set forth for him in 2019, he was still a low-end RB2, which isn't bad considering he played five-ish games with his QB faking a middle school illness to not have to play because he sees ghosts everywhere on the field. They had an abysmal offensive line, and they really just didn't want to use Lev Bell in any kind of way that Lev Bell spent six years showing the world that he can be successful. And I think if you are in a league where you're looking at an owner who lived through that terrible 2019, they probably lived through his 2018 sit-out too. They're not happy with him, and they probably just want to get out from under it. I think there's a lot of opportunity to slide in there and kind of take him for not a lot. And despite his terrible return last year, he still put up the eighth most targets of all running backs. Their offensive line has improved. And this is his last year with the Jets. Gase has very publicly shown that he hates Lev Bell. And he is probably just going to run him into the ground this year. And then they're going to cut him. They're going to get out. They're going to take that dead cat pit, which isn't very much. I want to say it's like $4 million. And that'll be all she wrote on Love Bell's regrettable time with the Jets. But I think there's still a lot of opportunity here for him to just feast. Darnold proved that he's not going to be this transcendent athlete that he was kind of getting billed to be because Adam Gase is a QB guru and that's going to solve everybody's problems. It's not because he's not one of those things. So they're going to have to lean on Bell. They brought in Frank Gore. Who knows what else they even have in there at this point. But none of those guys are going to be able to top what Bell can do. And at some point, talent just wins out. And yeah. I think I, if you can get him, he can be easily a top RB2. So, you know, RB13, RB14, and can really just even easier creep his way into the RB1 conversation. Right. I mean, you're talking about a guy that two uh, two years removed from being, like, a top five, like, like pick in, in Dynasty drafts. Like, all day, you know, and one of those years is just because he just didn't, he just didn't play. I'm not trying to say that helped him, but it's not like he had any wear and tear sitting on his butt. You know what I mean? God, he hit those clubs hard in that season. So don't, good for don't... him, man. He burned off some <laughs> some much needed stress. Dude was just trying to get paid. You know what I'm saying? He had a rap album too. But he did. It's not like he wasn't doing anything. He did. Hustle and flow. It was it was horrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, so like for me, it's exact. Pretty much all of Sean's points is like, it's the same way I'm feeling about it, you know, and I I I avoid anything to do with the Jets at all costs. Uh, that's why I was just out on Mims. But Bell is kind of like my exception to the rule in like running back shallow man. Like if you're getting him as your RB two and you're paying for him at like that art like that low RB two price, and you know he's not exactly a young man anymore. Like, the price is just right. But at the same time, it's like you have to find 
you got to know your owners. You got to know your league. Like somebody else has to kind of be blowing him and frustrated. If this owner had him in 2018, there's one of two things that they're thinking. Good God, get this guy off my team or no way I'm rider dining with this guy. I've already seen him through this much. You know, it's one of those two thoughts. They're not somewhere in the middle. There's no way they've had him for the last two years. They're somewhere in the middle there. So, Dave, what about you, Bell? So, two things. My biggest takeaways before I get to my overall point here is that, well done, Sean. I hadn't thought of this before when you brought it up, but when you talked about the psychology of the Bell owner and possibly going through the 218 thing, that actually was a new thing that I hadn't thought about. So, leave it to the uh, the school guidance counselor to think of that and bring it to the podcast. So, thanks, Sean. Well done, sir. So, my my other second though point is, though, we built a reputation here on the tale of two rivals of Adam Gase is the fantasy succubus. And to see you guys just push that to the side and think about, forget about all the hate that Adam Gase has thrown towards Le'Veon Bell, how he just totally disrespected him for the entire time he's been a New York Jet, saying that I don't even think he's worth the money when they've already spent all that money on him is mind-blowing. And you saw it in his usage I just, I'm not, I'm out on Le'Veon Bell. So I actually like that we have two sides of this, this coin here. We're not all in agreement. He was a DLF's RB 21 and he's going 64th overall. He's my RB 27 and I'm not taking him until the, the, until the hundred early hundreds. So I'm not, I'm not to 105, which is, I understand that's being contrarian here, but the reason why I said it is that I, I'm out on, I'm out on Adam Gase. I don't think they're going to use him. I don't think he wants him there. And questions for you guys. You guys take Le'Veon Bell or Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. So I take Tyler Lockett as well. Uh, I I also think that Tyler Lockett is Tyler Lockett is one of the most undervalued wide receivers in in fantasy right now. I don't disagree with that, but I would still take Bell. Yeah. So that's yeah. Bell or Tyler Boyd? Bell, easy slam dunk. Bring it home. Tyler Boyd. I'll take Tyler Boyd as well. Bell or T. Y. Hilton. T.Y. Bell. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take T.Y. And then Bell or Connor? Bell. I'll take Connor. So that's it. I just think that's interesting. That's how low I am. Uh, yeah, so there we go. So on on the side, why the reason I don't take T.Y. over Bell is the fact that I see Boy falling into a wide receiver one conversation at some point. There's a narrative there. I like Boyd. He did phenomenal when Green was out. And I also think Lockett is just, I mean, I would definitely be kicking the tires on Lockett. He's definitely a guy that to be seeing what his value is in your leagues. Before we move on, I just want to let you guys know that I was in a super flex full IDP startup this year. And I got Bell in the ninth round and I got David Johnson in the 11th. So those are my two flex players right now, and I was pretty happy about it. So this is something I've been riding since uh, that draft. I was very excited about it. So, Sean, I hope you're proud of me, man. I thought that was phenomenal value for Bow and uh, Johnson. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I, yeah. you know, I know Dave hates it, but I think Gase is going to go full Bud Kilmer on Lev Bell this year. Yeah, and I it's, mean it's going to work. It'll be good. Yeah, it's kind of nice. And my other running backs are uh, Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, so it's not too shabby right now um so yeah so um dave you want to do yours next who's your next guy sure mine was latavius murray I'm, i've done some dumpster diving not i wouldn't call it dumpster diving, but some lower value lower cost guys than you guys did with this question uh latavius murray's dlf's rb 60 in their may adp he's going like 
basically 199 overall, so at 200. So the middle, the 16th round in startups. Uh, he's my RB57, and I'm taking him a full round earlier, you know, as far as just overall value. And I just really like the idea of that New Orleans offense. I want, a, you know, Alvin Kamara isn't going to be a bell cow guy, and I want a piece of that, that red zone, like a, a goal line red zone guy in Latavius Murray. I want those touchdowns in that offense. They have a great offensive line. I'm a Latavius Murray guy, and I'll take that age discount. I don't care how old he is. I I only think about running backs for one year, really, and then I reset the clock and then and look at it again the next year. So give me some Latavius Murray. I'm giving up a mid to late third round pick for him easily, and you should be able to get him for that based on this rookie craze. I actually I have Kamara in our week, and I, I kicked those tires, and the price is a little too high on Murray. Um, granted, the guy who owns him is a Saints fan. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I love the buy. I mean, I think the other thing, too, is, like, you're looking at a situation that if he were to become the starter in that offense, he's just going to feast, man, you know? And they also, like, and Peyton also does a pretty good job of, like, balancing his running backs. He's not trying to run anybody into the ground, which is a good thing for his players, you know? So anybody who has the backup role in um, the Saints is, or as I shouldn't even say the backup, the RB2 role in the Saints uh, finds values. I mean, for forever, Kamara and Ingram were both seeing value in the top 24 on the same team. So, yeah, I, I like that pick a lot, Dave. What about you, Sean? Any thoughts on Murray? Yeah, I'd, same. I would just be – I'd be jazzed if I could get him for the prices Dave just threw out. I think that's phenomenal value because he's shown he's basically just Mark Ingram light. And he's going to come in. He's going to do great red zone work. He's going to be great as a spell guy. He doesn't have to be the most athletic back, but he can still bruise and he can still grind. And he can get you where you need to go. Did you just call him a Hall of Famer light? No, Mark Ingram light. Yeah, I know. Same thing. Yeah, no, so that's that was Todd's thing different. way back when we first started here. <laughs> Sean might not remember that, Todd. That was Saint back in the day when you refer- referenced. Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, yeah, yeah, I was pretty high on Mark Ingram. It was, it was a little bold. I got a little ahead of myself on that one. But um, so on that note, uh, my RB2 is Mark Ingram. Um, no joke. It actually really is. Mark Ingram is my RB two. So, um, now the reason is, is I have Mark Ingram in our league and I've been trying to move him around. And let me tell you, I can't move him. Um, he's cheap. So to me, I've actually been looking for him in other leagues being like, how cheap is he? So the reason why is I kind of feel like people's with their viewing with Ingram is a little hasty in 2020 in my mind, you know? If you're looking for Mark Ingram to be a difference maker on the Ravens in 2021 with Dobbins there, I think it's, it's a, that's a tough thing to see. Um, you know, and also, like, I really wasn't looking for much in return for him. I was essentially using him as a kicker and a throw-in in most deals, see if it got it done, and that wasn't doing it. So, I do see him. He was still really productive last year. He will have a role in that offense. That's a run-heavy offense. Dobbins not going to come in on day one and be ready, especially in the climate we're in right now with teams getting ready to learn offenses and playing. Who knows what that looks like, you know? But for me, like, I could see Ingram definitely having, falling into that RB3 conversation with an RB2 ceiling, and he's not going for that kind of a price. And from a 2021 standpoint, he could easily land somewhere else and get more touches. And what you're looking at is getting a guy who people are, Everybody is down on every single person. There's nobody high on Mark Ingram. I'm not high on Mark Ingram right now. I am saying that Mark Ingram is dirt cheap right now. 
and it's worth seeing what you can get from him for because he's quality depth still. You know, if you're relying him as a starter, that's a problem. If you're putting him in as a depth guy, as your, you know, if you're an RB two, if he like, as your fourth or fifth running back, you're in a good spot for Mark Ingram, and he's not going to be able to go for much more than what that would be cost otherwise. So, Kennedy, Mark Ingram, thoughts. Same. Um, you know, I'm going to flip around. I think he's a little bit older. He's got a lot more competition. He's essentially now a Latavius Murray light. It's just it's the same argument. He's a bruiser. <laughs> he's a guy. He's a spell guy. And he can really he can work in great behind whoever your first rushing option is. And, you know, if you're the Ravens, it's either Dobbins or it's Jackson, depending how creatively you want to try and slice it up. But he can thrive in an effective offense and a dynamic offense. He can bruise. He can catch a little bit. He still retains a lot of fancy value, but everybody seems to be down on him. And if you can scoop him up, not to be one of your primary guys, you're just that's got league winning material written all over it. What are you thinking, Dave? Uh, so I think I'm not as high. I don't think he's a buy for me. I like him at value. I he's at DLF RB 32. He's my RB 33. So we're right around the same page here. Um, I'm a little bit lower on him overall than the DLF ADP, but if I'm a contender. I still think he has value this season. He's gonna get. He's a, a good way to get some cheap touchdowns. Uh, I just, I, I'm a big Dobbins guy. I think there's a very, uh, a, there is a situ, there is a scenario where Dobbins just explodes and is that good and that great that he just takes over that backfield. I don't think it's gonna happen, but there is a scenario that you could paint. So this could be the last hurrah for Mark Ingram. And while I believe everything that Todd says about how much he loves Mark Ingram and stuff, I just, I still hear in his voice, oh, I'm trying to get rid of him. I was trying to get rid of him, though. I'm not really that high on him. <laughs> I don't know. Another, where Todd's trying to stump his, you know, his castoffs to the rest of our league, Sean. I don't know if I can, t- reminds me of when he was, you know, pumping Burrow up early on when he had Burrow. Dave, you're looking at this the wrong way. Because, yes, it is that. It's shameless pandering. <laughs> Just shameless pandering. But it's more ammo in the gun to show that Todd just shovels garbage offers. You know, that's becoming a thing around the Scott Fish is right. Scott Fish was right. Scott, Scott Fish knows it. Look at it. And now we have the audio to back it up. No, now you guys are just forcing the narrative and putting words in my mouth. That has nothing to do with it. Are so we? yes, I, I mean, it okay. feels like you just shove your words all over us. So the one place that I'm weak on my roster, we start three running backs, right? The one place that I'm weak is the RB three, and that's Mark Ingram for me. And you're now, trying to get rid of him. And you're trying to get rid of him. <laughs> right. So what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to move a wide receiver and move down a little bit to move up and running back a little bit. Nothing crazy. I'm not even looking to get like a stud with like that. So, like, for me, I really like Mark Ingram as my RB4, which would be phenomenal. I just don't like him as my first choice as a starter. If he's my first guy that I have to put into, like, a situation where it's a buyer and injury, I'm actually okay with that. I could do a heck of a lot worse than Mark Ingram. I just don't really like him as a starter on my team. And that's the point I was trying to make. I'm actually, like, the like in our league, I'm seeing his value being looked at as, like, an RB5 in most people's eyes. Like he's like, there's four backs would be better on your team than him. Like to me, I'm like, that's insane. So that's where I'm saying to myself, he's a hold. I, if I put him in a deal, it's because like, Hey, I wonder if Mark Ingram's the kicker. And my guess is probably not, but I actually am looking for him in other leagues because 
of our league and seeing how dirt cheap he is, why not? You know, like, I just think that people are way too low on him because of a rookie that's coming and hasn't done anything yet. You know, Justice Hill was forcing people to think about Mark Ingram last year. He did nothing. You know, Gus Edwards still got touches in that offense. Now, who gets that role? Mark Ingram. He's going to get more looks than Gus Edwards. So to me, Dobbins is not going to come in and just take that job and nobody else is going to run. They're not going to run Dobbins into the ground for, you know, 16 straight games. There's going to be a learning curve there. Mark Ingram has value. So you guys keep saying I'm pandering it. I'm just giving people good advice. Go get Mark Ingram for for peanuts and stop listening to these jackasses. (laughs) Todd, I want to believe you. I want to believe you. The only reason why I can't believe you is because I have all these screenshots from people in our league saying Todd is starting off every trade negotiation. Do you want a future Hall of Famer on your team? (laughs) (laughs) Full Admiral Akbar. This is a trap. For he's the trying record, to lure you in, and he's none, going to be marking room yeah. and a garbage wide receiver for none of, something good. That is totally not true. Yeah, but he's going to be marking room and OJ but, for the world. I have not said that at all about Mark Ingram, but now every trade that I include him, I'm definitely <laughs> going to say that <laughs> because I should have started. All I agree. Todd has not that said way. that. Todd has you not. Know. Oh, I'm Todd going not to now. I was, I was making that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but anyways, no, but in all fairness, like, I just think that people are insanely low on him, and, like, as they should be, like, with Dobbins, like, in the future, I just think there's a lot of value there in 2020. And here's the other thing about it is, if he, if Dobbins takes over that backfield, do you think Mark Ingram stays in, in Baltimore? No. He moves on, then there might be new life with him somewhere else. He's still been good. He's still been productive, you know? So, to me, it's like, you know, I... I I think that he people are just much, much lower than they should be just because of another young running back coming in, you know? So, all right. In typical Tale of Two Rival fashions, we talked much longer than we expected to. Someday we will learn how long-winded we are and how much we're going to bash on me for pandering, which I am not doing, by the, by the way. Anyways, Dave, tell them where they can find you. So you can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. Uh, I work. I write for DFF or Dynasty Football Factory. Also, um, what I've been doing this week is I've been working on some fundraising for the Scott Fishbowl Podathon, hosted by Sal Leto, Leto and the uh, the Funhouse Gang over there. Um, we're raising money for uh, Fantasy Cares and Scott Fish, the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, we've had some great, great uh, donations by people. And if you if you're listening to this and you want to contribute somehow or just donate. Hit me up. I'll put you in the right direction. Yeah, so definitely hit up the Scott Fishbowl Podathon, guys. Really excited about uh, Scott Fishbowl overall, and especially to help them out over there from the Podathon. Kenny, where can they find you, buddy? You can check me out on Twitter. I'm at FF underscore Walrus. And like Dave, writing for the Dynasty Football Factory. Uh, don't have nearly as cool a thing to plug as he does with the Scott Fishbowl, so I'll just reiterate, definitely check that out. Definitely donate and try and get an invite so you can have one in Todd King. <laughs> Fair enough. So you can find me at Twitter at FF underscore Banterman. Um, I have a good time just, you know, chatting it up. Uh, I'm always down to give advice. I'm always down to talk fantasy football. I'm also down for just having a gift board. It's always a good time. Um, you will find some of my articles at the Dynasty Football Digest in the near future. I'm going to actually do a buy low episode. Uh, excuse me. Article to follow up with our episodes. 
and I also highly recommend if you're an IDP league to go to the IDP guys. Uh, they're going to give you the edge to win your IDP league. So, that is it for Mateo 2 Rivals tonight. We will see you next time. Mark Ingram's a great buy, guys. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is one of the most underrated movies of all time. I can't no, it's not. It, it, it's not underrated. It's one of my favorite movies because people keep saying it's underrated. It's no longer underrated. That's the problem with calling it underrated. Everybody says that. Oh, no, don't try and make this into some, like, anti-hipster deep-dive pick. No, it's not a deep-dive. It's just the fact. Everybody says it's underrated. It's not underrated. It's one of the best comedies ever made. It's just not underrated. That's just it. I would bet you my good dreams for a month. It's nowhere near anybody's top ten. Ah. Who listens? I don't Terrible. think it's as funny the first time around, but you on the second listen, it's a great. It, it really lives up to the high. It really does well the second listen. Terrible.